Hey, Kansas City. Welcome to episode 31 of the Made in Casey podcast. We are now in day 31 of the stay-at-home order. I'm Tyler Enders. I'm Keith Bradley. And I'm Thomas McIntyre. Today, we pick up with part two on our Earth Day discussion. We'll pick up mid-conversation, emphasizing the role and responsibility we all have as individuals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. This episode explores ideas for a greener future and shares tips on how to get us there. With a problem as big as climate change, everyone actually has a role to play and everyone must play their role. And so very similar to the spread of coronavirus where we said that, you know, you can't have one city that does a really good job, but then a neighboring city do a really poor job. We live in a porous, connected 48 states where people can travel freely. And climate is the exact same, obviously. And so it's been difficult to have all these disparate approaches instead of having national leadership and global leadership, despite efforts like the Paris Climate Treaty. So I think it goes back to something like the subject of today's topic, which is Earth Day. Earth Day was a grassroots effort where it was all about individuals banding together and asking to see change. And I do think that there are plenty of ways in which we as individuals can focus our efforts to figure out how we can reduce our carbon footprints. I don't think it's buying metal straws. I don't think it's only focusing on buying organic or staying away from genetically modified things. But I do think there are some ways that people could very intentionally have a very large impact. So I'm of the belief that most climate scientists think that the major areas of action should be protecting and restoring ecosystems. And often we think of rainforests, but it's equally important to think about um, wetlands outside of Lawrence or prairie across Kansas. Those are also ecosystems that have a huge impact on our ability to store carbon as a planet. Then you go to cleaner energy. And I think that's the really big one. That's something that touches everything we do. And I think that we could see the most profound change there. And then third, agriculture. We've seen all sorts of excitement bubbling up with farm to table movements, but I think it needs to go a full step further. And so I've been a little surprised that I haven't heard more about Victory Gardens. And a friend was telling me that they think, well, maybe we're not doing Victory Gardens right now because the U.S. wants people to continue to spend money in the economy, which means going to grocery stores and keeping the supply chains alive. But perhaps we'd be better off with more sustainable agriculture if we weren't so dependent upon just a few major suppliers, as we've already seen the problems that persist when you run into that with PPE. And so if we have entire crops that all of a sudden are susceptible to certain types of insects, we could see a really, really negative ripple effect across our food economy. And so I would love to see Americans opt for more sustainable agriculture going forward. So Tyler, what you just talked about makes me think of the balancing act that I think needs to happen between reopening our economy post-pandemic while also still being mindful of the environmental strides that we may be making and need to continue to make. How do we do that balancing act where we need to stimulate the economy, we need to get people back to work, we need to avoid going into a long-term depression which has negative health effects on us humans um, while still being mindful of these environmental changes that have to be made as well? Yeah, Key, that's a, that's a good question. and The struggle I'm having with it is we have what's hopefully the short-term problem with the coronavirus and trying to maintain public health standards, but then also get back to work and get the economy humming. The economy is also the other side of this long-term battle we're having with the environment. And I'm hoping that in some way, shape, or form, we can get back to work soon and put the coronavirus behind us, but pull some of these positive environmental effects 
with us going forward and having a longer term effect with the environment as a result. Yeah. As you pose that question, it makes me a little surprised we haven't heard more about this topic and maybe today will be a really good catalyst for it. And so the first thing I think of is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. And this is exactly what we need right now. We need an FDR-styled stimulus that puts Americans back to work. And if we want to talk about infrastructure and transportation, what better time than now when we need to inject a ton of stimulus, we can rethink public transit, we can think about building a new economy that works for different people that is mindful of the environment. And so I went on a study abroad program in college that was an environmental studies program, and they had us take this online carbon footprint calculator. And there are some really good ones out there still. Uh, the Nature Conservancy has one on nature.org. You fill out all this information about where you live, what your lifestyle is, what you eat, et cetera, and it gives you your carbon footprint. And so we did it for living in the U.S. And then after we had lived in Germany, in Freiburg, which is known as one of the green capitals of the world, we took the test again, or the, yeah, I guess test, at the end of our time there, and our footprints had diminished drastically. And it was all personal choices that were easy to make in Germany, but were very difficult to make here. And what's difficult now, as I think back to that, is a lot of my lifestyle choices don't match up with what I want my environmental choices to be. So I travel a lot via plane, and that's just a terrible way to do that. However, I have found, well, it's not a terrible way to do that. It's just very taxing in terms of the environmental impact. But I have now found that I can buy really affordable carbon credits each time I fly. And so it costs about $30 for a trip to New York and back, and I'm buying offsets for my portion of that flight. And so I think that a lot of young people are thinking about, well, I don't need a massive house with a massive yard that I mow once a week and that I water and that I fertilize and I do all these you know, artificial things to try to make something grow there that wasn't meant to grow there. One of the biggest things we can do is rethink where we live. I mean, of course, people in apartment complexes use way less energy than people in massive McMansions. Um, but then we can think about how we're traveling. And so going to work, maybe part of that equation is living closer to places that you want to work and play. And so if you live in Brookside, like we do, you can walk to the grocery store. You can walk to a restaurant or a bar. You can spend time outside. You don't have to get in the car every time you need to do something. So I think that there, this is actually a really, really good time to think about how we want to rebuild our economy because we will probably, as we've already seen, we'll continue to see unprecedented spending in the next couple of years. And we should make sure that that unprecedented spending doesn't just go to the airlines without any strings attached, that it doesn't go to the oil industry to prop it up without any strings attached. It should absolutely have strings and it should say, okay, you guys need to think about how to make your operation more energy efficient and reduce your overall carbon footprint. Yeah, and as, as you were talking through that, Tyler, I uh, realized the simplest transition to make is looking at the lack of cars on the roads right now, and more specifically, the lack of rush hour. And I'm, I'm definitely potentially speaking out of place here because I'm not an environmental scientist, and I don't know if this is true or not, but at one point I do believe I read that the rush hour and the cars standing idle on interstates it has a massive negative impact on the environment, not just the fact, you know, if that same car would be able to get to its office in 10 minutes versus the 35 minutes it takes, they could have a massive impact. So we spoke about how I'm not a huge fan of everybody working from home because I think being in the same workplace has massive benefits from a business environment standpoint. I do think we could find a solution that staggers 
because of what we've done during the coronavirus and working from home and having Zoom meetings, we could stagger work times. And so everyone's in the office at a certain overlap of time. You have that interaction relation, but not everyone's trying to get to the office at nine and not everyone's trying to get home at five o'clock. And so potentially there's a takeaway from all this and working from home for a certain period of time to reduce the rush hours at City C. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good observation. I think it's a nice, a nice segue into as we get ourselves back to work and we evaluate what things we can do as both businesses and individuals to, to start taking action on those things. So one of the things that I've been very mindful of is I do like some of these lists that are out there of individual things that you can do every day or habits you can change to reduce your impact on the environment. As we've talked about before, we have a family of six here at our Bradley household, which is uh, larger than the average American family by by far. And we're actually well aware of, you know, the impact that each person has per capita on the environment. So we do try to implement as many of these things as possible. I mean, I've literally had people tell me that I must hate the environment because of how many kids I have, which really makes oh. me mad. We, we can save that topic for another yeah. episode. but. <laughs> Um, but as I mentioned before, we got our February electric bill down to $46. If you want to see a screenshot of it, email me at hello at madeinkc.co and I'll show it to you. Um, last year at Made in KC, we implemented a office recycling program, which we get a, re- a regular report from the company that we go through that, that provides the positive impacts we've had on recycling things that come through our office, which is a ton of cardboard for a lot of the products and goods we move through our shops. But, here are a couple other things that I compiled to kind of end us on an encouraging note and an actionable note. And some are, are tied directly to what a lot of us are experiencing right now through the pandemic. Uh, the first thing I found was the impact that what we watch and what we stream has on the electricity that gets used. So first off, be mindful of how much we do watch screens and how much we stream. So um, streaming is a major factor contributing to emissions. Recently, a study came out that showed that 5 billion plays, that's 5 billion plays of the 2017 music video Despacito used as much electricity as five African countries put together in a single year. That just blew my mind. Jeez. Uh, I'm not familiar with that song. Can you sing it real quick? (laughs) I have the tune in my head. I never never jumped on the bandwagon of how popular that song got, but I do have the tune in my head for some some reason. I can't. I can't. I couldn't do it justice right now. Fair For enough. some <laughs> reason, no one has to ever try to explain why Despacito is stuck in their head. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one also has to do with uh, technology. Again, something I actually have never thought of, and I'm extremely guilty of this, but reducing emails. So a recent study by energy company OVO, OVO suggested that if every adult in the United Kingdom sent one less thank you email, which I do all the time, it would save nearly 16,500 tons of carbon a year. That's interesting. I don't, I don't know enough about uh, how that stuff works and, and what the material impact is, but it makes me think about blockchain currencies. And so blockchain currencies, um, the whole nature of the currency which makes it safe is that it's continuing to add information to the chain. And that requires massive amounts of servers and energy use. And so blockchain currency has actually dramatically impacted energy use across the globe in the past few years. Interesting. That's fascinating. Really, really interesting. And then two thoughts there. One, I think is really easy for me in particular, and I'm guessing other people to think of electricity as clean. Uh, You know, we talk about electric cars and electric and this being the answer. And it's like, well, electricity is not going to have a negative impact. It's you know, gas and emissions, those things. And so it's, it's good to remind myself and that might be me alone in this 
court and that's fine. But a good reminder that the electricity is is a negative impact and in a big way. And then secondly, you're telling me that the environmentally friendly thing for me to do is hit delete on my 400 <laughs> unopened emails right now and, and not respond. So that's Absolutely. Just do it. Just yeah. we you should make a you know, we, we see those signatures like please only print, you know, please only print if necessary. You should put a signature that's like I'm not going to reply <laughs> to this email because hashtag I'm, for the planet. Yeah, for yeah. the planet. <laughs> Uh, we should also note in terms of electricity, um, because you're right, electricity can be clean or cleaner, that Kansas recently um, hit a new milestone where the majority source for production of electricity is no longer fossil fuel. Now the majority of energy produced in Kansas comes from wind energy, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, that is that is phenomenal. It's still for the rest of the country. It's still coal or um, nuclear energy, but that that is awesome to see Kansas make those make those strides. Um, a couple of things that we can all do. I know I'm guilty of taking longer, warmer showers during this pandemic. Tyler's an advocate of cold, quick showers, but obviously running hot water is using energy in a couple of different ways. One, you're you're using water, and then you're consuming whatever that electricity or gas used to heat your water. And so reducing that has a significant double double impact on the environment. Using natural cleaning products, I think, is real a real easy shift to make. They're, they can be a little bit more pricey. Um, we have a great local company here in town that makes cleaning products that we use from time to time. Not only do a natural cleaning products have less harmful chemicals that go in your body, but also then that goes down into the environment when they are flushed or cleaned or drained. Um, buy only what you need. I'm Learning more and more is kind of, uh, we mentioned, my wife mentioned yesterday on the podcast about minimalism and reducing what we need to live. And I think this has been a great opportunity for a lot of us, not everybody in this pandemic, but a lot of us to rethink what we actually need to get by in our day to day life. And then, of course, our favorite is shopping local. It takes a lot, a lot of energy to move goods across the globe. And so the closer that you can source your goods and your needs, whether that's food, whether that's cleaning products, whether that's everyday items to where you live, the much more positive impact you will have on the, the environment. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> impressed and proud of us for not talking about shopping local and the environmental impacts uh, until this late in the episode. It's, yeah. uh, we can do a, I think we do a whole episode <laughs> on it. I know like with our shop local research, like the dollar circulating is, is certainly significant, but the other environmental side of that, is yep. equally as significant. Yeah, there's some really interesting information you can find if you look into farm-to-table movements and the amount of miles that most meals travel to get to your plate. And a lot of that can be extrapolated for products that you're buying in different shops. Yeah, so I think with all that we've discussed, we kind of taken a really big problem. Uh, we've contextualized it to what's going on now. And then hopefully we've made it a little bit more localized uh, and individualized for us to make a positive impact on this Earth Day. I think we can all do our part, however big or small. Uh, there's no bad place to start. And while it's not true for everyone, this pandemic can offer the opportunity for us to rethink our current lifestyles, um, especially as what Thomas was talking about, using this time to reset a lot of habits as we re-enter the workforce as Tyler mentioned, Americans on average generate some of the largest carbon footprints in the world. And so while it's easy to point fingers at other other countries or other factories or other industries, we all have a part to play in doing this. And it starts with the individual choices that we make. Great. Well, thanks so much, guys. Um, that was a lot, but I think it was very worthwhile. And it's probably a topic we should circle back to more frequently. You, As you I don't remember which of you said it, but I completely agree that it is very apropos that Earth Day falls during this human hibernation.
Yeah, as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at hello at madeinkc.co. If you want to see a picture of my electric bill from February, you can email me at hello at madeinkc.co as well. Thank you for listening. You can also hit us up on Twitter at madeinkc underscore. See you guys. Thanks, guys.